0: I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace.
1: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition the Guardians of Grace podcast. We're well into our hundred and something podcast. Really jazzed to be sitting across the table from Grace Guard Dog Steve. Yes, sir. The guard dog. I, I don't know how we're I stalling got that, for man. time because yeah. To be honest, we've been praying because we don't have a thought. We forgot what we were talking about last podcast. I do remember it was Colossians 3.
0: We do remember. It's just a lot going on today. A lot of distractions. I remember we said something about we were going to refer to the wisdom from above or something. That,
1: That is right. He brought that out there. He made that promise.
0: Yeah. We're fixing to deliver. Or the Lord is. Do you mind kind of reviewing to get us up to that point? Yeah. I mean, no, I don't. Okay. Yes, I'll do it.
1: Yes, you no, be. I don't mind. The last podcast, we talked about being heavenly minded for the purpose of being very earthly good. And to be earthly minded is to be no heavenly good and very little earthly good. We opened up with Colossians 3. Since then, you've been raised with Christ, set your mind, on things above. That's where that that word High-minded is translated from, and we compared it to Romans 11 where Israel is saying, we did all these things, we did all these things, we belong in the vine, we belong in the Gentiles who did nothing are being grafted in, and Paul says they were, what, high-minded. Yes. Arrogant.
0: Yes. It was actually the Gentiles that were high-minded about the
1: Jews. Yes. Thanks for that publicly correcting me. Yes. The Gentiles were falling into that same thought. And the Galatians, we spent a lot of time in Galatians two weeks ago, they wanted to make the same mistake as Israel, believing that somehow they could, with their own abilities, keep the law. And Paul in Colossians takes both Jewish keeping of the Ten Commandments and the 614 Mosaic Laws. And he also says not only that, but you can be earthly minded by trying to keep elementary principles based on the traditions of men.
0: And the fine-sounding arguments.
1: The the very persuasive fine-sounding arguments. What they do is they make the whole focus of your Christian life on not sinning, or they make the whole focus on trying to do the right thing and s- stop doing the wrong thing. And When your focus is on stop doing the wrong thing, guess what? Your your mind is on not on God. It's, it's on, not the on the wrong spirit. thing. It's on the wrong thing. You're trying to correct an incorrectable mess Yes, called the flesh the flesh it cannot be fixed but mankind Adam (laughs) is hopelessly religious and he thinks with a a little more time a few more rules somehow and a a lot of commitment and a couple accountability partners to hold his feet over the fire
0: mixed in with some discipline gritting his teeth
1: discipline harsh treatment of the body somehow some way get in a football stadium and yell across to the other side we can live this Christian life how about you
0: yeah yeah and,
1: and somehow some way we can put away sin and Paul is his argument is you can't put away the sin nor can you live the righteous life both have to be done by the Spirit of Christ by the Holy Spirit Jesus in his earthly life, completely kept the law, fulfilled every bit of it. Then he went to the cross and died for every trespass that anyone that's ever lived on planet Earth ever committed. It was paid in full. And now he came back on Pentecost and sent his Holy Spirit to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Now Paul's whole Persuasion is to get you to depend on the Spirit to do for you what you can't do for yourself. So what happens, a lot of times we we take what people call the theology, like Colossians 3, 1 through 3, set your mind on things above. You died, your life is hid with Christ and God. Then it goes on to say, therefore put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And somehow we going to give it another try. We're putting to death what belongs to your earthly nature is not our job, nor should it be our focus. So he goes on to say, therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above, set your hearts on things above, for you died. He repeats it again. Then he says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature by putting on Christ. By putting on the Holy Spirit. It's not an exercise that you, I put on my Jesus jeans,
0: I put on my... No, you set your mind on things above to do it for you. Because these things above are actually well defined in the epistles. We can see what the things above are. That's exactly it. When your mind
1: is on the Spirit, you are spiritually minded. When your mind is on stop sinning, your mind is on the flesh. Yes, it's that simple.
0: Yeah. Do you remember the passage that says our weapons are not human Fleshly, origin, carnal, but they are, but they mighty are mighty and divine by means of God. By means of God, those are the things above that you set your mind on as your power source. That's why James would say in James 1 every good and perfect gift comes from above the father from the father of the heavenly lights in whom are no shifting shadows those perfect gifts are divinely powerful for beating the sin guy the sin guy that made me, in my human determination, do what I don't want to do and not do what I did want to do and do the very opposite of what I want to do and act the opposite of the way I wanted to act, those divine powers can demolish strongholds and bring down every lofty argument that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And that is a
1: lofty thought to think that you can put away sin, think that you would, can overcome the sin.
0: Yes, without
1: God. With, yeah, exactly. Without God, thinking you can overcome sin is a lofty thought.
0: Yes. And that divine power takes everything captive to the obedience of okay. Christ. Not the obedience of Steve's discipline or determination, but the obedience of Christ. The divine power takes every thought. Steve doesn't take every thought. It's all passive voice when it's talking about Steve. It's active voice when it's talking about the divine power. And then it says, we are ready to punish every act of disobedience Once your obedience is made complete, passive voice, you did not make your obedience complete. The divine power that tore down the lofty arguments and the strongholds, it made your obedience complete for you. It did for you what you can't do for yourself, but we all desperately want to be obedient Christians. Well, the divine power is what makes us obedient Christians. That word complete
1: is, I believe it's the word telos, which can also be translated perfect or finished.
0: Or finished. Yeah.
1: So when you, perfect obedience, Mm. that's
0: what you can have in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. The the richness of the fullness of the stature of Christ. In obedience, I believe it's that
1: word hooper koya. Is it? Yeah, I think so. It's which hooper is under and koya where we get our word acoustics. It's under the hearing.
0: Under the hearing.
1: You're hearing from the spirit. Amen. Not necessarily in an audible voice, but somehow the spirit inside of you is hearing the spirit of God. And it just
0: functions. Go ahead. I hear the spirit of God speaking through you all the time. We just have to recognize it. Just have to recognize it. That they're not Bill's thoughts. They're the spirit of God in Bill's thoughts.
1: That's the layly doctrine.
0: Regardless. That's it. That's that's the layly doctrine. It is
1: biblically sound.
0: Biblically sound. Yes. Yes. But that's why in in James chapter three it goes on to talk about wisdom from above and wisdom from below, and it says that the wisdom from above, because that's what we're talking about, setting our mind on things. Above, so we're talking about setting our mind on using the wisdom from above and not the wisdom from below, but it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, and the wisdom from below is earthly, it's human, and it's demonic. How about that? It says wisdom from below is earthly, human and demonic. I remember,
1: I think it was the late 80s, everyone was saying, you need to take this spiritual gift test, Bill. And so I finally did. And it occurred to me a few years later, this test I'm taking brings out my earthly strengths. So you you might have a guy that's a very good administrator in business and he takes the spiritual test and we put him in to the office of an administrator and the sad thing is he's not going to depend on his spirit because he's gonna depend on his flesh because he's already pretty he's better than a lot of people, but it robs him of depending on the spirit because he seems to have uh, some abilities to to be an administrator. I forgot what all the tests they were,
0: but... And Paul said, I'll gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of God will rest on me. Wow, what does that mean? Yeah. I will boast in my weaknesses? That seems counterintuitive. It does, doesn't it? But not when you understand this new covenant that we're in, whereby God said... I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk an exemplary Christian life, to walk in my statues. I will put my spirit in you and from the greatest to the least. They won't have to teach their brothers about experiencing the Lord because they'll all see him, see him right through Bill. I can see God, the God of the universe, right through Bill when we are talking. And people
1: would see that and say, Bill's a basket case administrative. We know that has to be the Spirit of God. Like what Nicodemus said to Jesus, we know you are from God, because no one could do the miraculous things you were doing unless God were with them. Well, you can have that testimony said about yourself. When you learn to depend on the, the spirit, people will say, I know the spirit of God is in you because no one could react the way you do
0: and train
1: themselves the way they do unless God were with them.
0: And tell me they don't say that about you in the scriptures. Don't the people at the church you go to just go, I, I don't see how you can do it, Bill. It's, it's just not you. It, it, how can anybody... Bring to memory so many scriptures, and they're all amazed.
1: I'm a bit of an enigma in my at Instagram.
0: your church. yes, yeah. yes, you are, you are. I can remember
1: the thing is I don't even know how I memorize so much. I it, I actually wasn't trying just my testimony was you gave me some cassette tapes on the New Testament and said, you like to listen to them. So I started doing it. Not really even conscious about what I was listening to until three or four years later, someone was (laughs) quoting a Bible verse, and I just quoted the three verses after from memory without thinking about it. And it just hit me like, oh my gosh, that had to be the Spirit because I
0: purposely try to remember it and my testimony is the same thing i was there at horizons one night quoting scripture that i had never memorized and i i went home and said god you're scaring me I, I was literally shaken by it i i couldn't calculate how i could possibly have memorized them or why they would be in my memory because I had never sat down with a piece of paper and memorized them at all. I used to be amazed
1: at the Bible studies you would do uh, one at a friend of ours, Kristen's house where you would just come in unprepared and take questions and just rifle off scriptures. And uh, I remember, I don't know if you want me to share this, It's not something you're proud of, but we were at a singles Bible study. Obviously, neither of us us was married back then, but they brought up an issue at the singles, and they refuted you, and then they brought the pastor in to put you in your place. And you were polite as could be, nice as could be, and you just... he just kept saying, it, it, that, that's not true. And you kept giving him Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse and Bible verse. And then he would say, well, that's that's in... Well, I know uh, John says that. And he said, well, that's actually in James. And and the guy resigned.
0: He resigned?
1: Uh, about a week later, he resigned. Yeah. And I know you felt horrible. I did. It was not I your did. purpose
0: to get him, no, to resign. No, but he was shaken up. He, he was shaken up that night, and but you couldn't help but
1: speak the truth.
0: Yes, I remember he, that. In
1: love, you did speak it in,
0: in love. You were yeah. argumentative. Yeah, I do remember that. It was on eternal security. Why it was the Methodists? Why the Methodists don't believe in eternal security? And it was because of the prodigal son they were. I, I remember that now that you bring it up. Well, they do now. <laughs> yeah, because the right, the music minister said he put his notes away and said, you just made me believe in eternal security. That That's why the head pastor came in the next next night. To, Put
1: you in your place. Yeah,
0: because they almost fired the music minister because he believed in eternal security. Yeah, those, those I, I guess, are not fond memories. But,
1: but that's not why we do our podcasts, and it's not why we speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. We want to see people set free from legalistic, human-driven, Ideas and purposes and, as we talked about last week, methods. Weak and miserable principles that depend depend on the traditions of men. They're fine-sounding, but they don't work. And we even did the NET version that said not only do they not work, they likely will lead, cause you, you to you stumble headfirst right into the behavior you're wanting to stop. And I found that out. I remember... Committing not to do something. I won't say what it was. It doesn't matter. Mm -mm. But I remember committing and I remember being out. I was somewhere and I was just doing something I didn't want to do. And I remember just going off by myself and just crying. And then went back to the party and acted like nothing ever happened. And then the next day waking up and saying, You dog, you're such a phony You're a fake. You're not even a Christian. And just, You could not believe the condemnation that I felt unless you understood the effort I put into trying to clean my life up, trying to live the Christian life. I knew nothing about the spirit then. All I knew was these wise and persuasive arguments. I knew accountability partner. The word accountability never shows up in Paul's teaching except one time. It says the law was given to hold everyone accountable, accountable. to sin. Oh, wow. And shut the mouth of every we, person. Uh, That's uh, the only time accountability used. I never knew that. Used.
0: Never. Thank you. Paul never authority. knew that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. The law holds you accountable. And boy, does it ever! And it tells you to shut up. Yes, but it, with your rules
1: and regulations, well-meaning
0: as they are, but it doesn't help you succeed at the Christian life. Matter of fact,
1: sounding as they are,
0: yeah. As a matter of fact, it, it does the opposite. It helps you fail at the Christian life, and all we're trying to do here at Guardians of Grace is just point to the scriptures that show how to succeed. And all those scriptures, lo and behold, they point to Christ in you, the hope of glory, doing for you what you can't do for yourself, that it's a, a, a new covenant. He started a whole new covenant, and it's a covenant whereby we depend on the Spirit to do it for us.
1: The Romans 8 is all about. The covenant of the, of the spirit. But before he does that. He goes through Romans 7. And there's. I, I think it's 7. 5, 6 or 7. Right around there. He, he, he gives this argument. I would not have known. What sin was. Except the law had said. You shall not covet. come. In. But when the commandment came and says sin sprang the life and I died then he says for sin seizing an opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me coveting of every time and that Greek word for seizing an opportunity is a military term <laughs> it's it actually can be it's defined as the starting of a military operation. It's operation trip Steve up. It's sin taking an opportunity. How can we get Steve to sin? How can we get guard dog Steve to sin? Let's give him a commandment. When it takes the opportunity afforded by, in Paul's case, "you shall not covet, it produced coveting of every time. How does it get a new believer like me? Sin takes an opportunity by a fine-sounding argument. You need an accountability partner. And yes, Jesus saved you, Bill. But now you need to start getting rid of some of those bad habits you have. Some of those a little bit unsavory behavior that you do. And believe it or not, I was worse after... Applying these principles than I ever was when I didn't even know God.
0: Me too. My testimony,
1: it got worse. I could actually say, I don't feel like going to the bar tonight. It's right. stay home and watch television. When you put that rule on
0: me. Yeah.
1: All I thought about was, don't go to the bar, don't go to the bar, don't go to the bar. Yeah. And it produced in me wanting to go to the bar in the worst way. What we're saying here is wisdom from above is Christ in you, the hope of glory. James calls it wisdom from above, and he means the same thing as being dependent on the spirit. Spiritual thoughts and, and spiritual words is wisdom from above. Yes. And I'm going to turn it over to our James expert, Guard Dog Steve. Can You, you think you could tie in some of these thoughts in James
0: about wisdom from above tying the thought about from above to the Bible as a whole I mean Jesus said to Nicodemus you must be born from above and he was meaning you must be born by the spirit that comes down from above born from above or born again and
1: I like the way he puts it he gives this analysis. He said someone born of the Spirit, Nicodemus, is like the wind. You don't see the wind, but you see the manifestations of the wind. Someone born from above is you don't see the Spirit in them, but you do see the the manifestations of the, the Spirit. Deep. Yes. So yeah, he's, he tells Nicodemus not an option. You must
0: be born from above. Yes. And then in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am from above, but you are from below, meaning, and we don't really realize it yet, but he's meaning, I am manifesting the spirit that is from above, and you are manifesting the human nature that is from below. I am using wisdom from above that's pure and peaceable, and you are using wisdom from below that is natural, demonic, earthly. earthly. He said, you are from below, I am from above. I believe that's in 823. but
1: And I think it's the same thought. He says, you don't You've never known the Father. It's actually you've never seen the Father. And that's and you've never seen me. That's why you don't see me. You don't see the Spirit. You see the Spirit's activity, but you don't see the Spirit. And they, they had never seen the Father, but they had seen the, the Father's, the activity of the Father.
0: That's why right in there in John, he says, Make a righteous judgment. You judge according to the flesh but I judge according to spirit. What's in the flesh, the manifestation of either nature. Jesus, when he was on the earth in his earthly ministry, was constantly speaking about the two natures. He gave parables about it. And he said, the good tree does this and the bad tree does that. And he said, either make the tree good or make the tree bad. And he says, the good man out of his good heart brings forth treasures that is good. And the bad man brings forth treasures that is bad. And we know there's no none good, no, not one. That's why Jesus said to that rich young ruler guy, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Only God brings forth the treasures out of his good heart. The human beings bring forth what? comes out of their heart, and Paul said, there's nothing good that dwells in me that is in my human nature, and I'm talking about Romans 7, but the very evil that I do not like dwells in me. The one who wishes to do good, because the willing to do good is in me, but the doing of good is not. That's That's verbatim what he's saying in Romans 7. He's saying, me and my human nature fails. In my spirit, I succeed. Jesus was looking at people in their human nature and saying, you're from below because you're failing right now. You're failing to show love, joy, peace, patience. Remember, Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruit. The fruit so not, of oh I'm sorry I interrupted the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness gentleness goodness self-control faith so not, it's one person
1: two manifestations flesh yes. or spirit
0: yes divine nature old nature and that's what this new covenant is predicated on in I didn't know it for years and years and years and years. I didn't realize it. I just thought it was my dedication or my discipline or me, 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 me trying as hard as I could. And I just didn't get a hold of the fact that the entire New Testament is talking about flesh or spirit in saying that flesh does not make the grade and spirit does make the grade. Once you're turned on to this idea, just look and see that it's not on every page in every epistle. That's what the epistles are talking about. You and your human nature and you in your divine nature. And it's pictured every way, the mind of the flesh, the mind of the spirit, the old man, the new man, on and on it goes. The natural man or the spiritual man—just example after example after example of living in either the flesh or the spirit. But that's the topic that this, these epistles are on, and they're the the, the writings of the covenant of the new covenant. They're uh, they. they make up the contract that we're under, and they bring up either the flesh and the spirit, knowing that your flesh cannot be under that old covenant law, because it ignites the evil in the flesh, and cause it to run rampant in your life, and by staying away from that law, that commandment mentality in relying on the Spirit, which is a way of life and it takes a long time to get it down, where it's a habit of always relying on the Spirit. That's what Paul and those guys wanted us to do. I mean, that's why Paul said, this is my way of life in Christ Jesus that I teach everywhere in every church. A way of life in Christ yes if you want to know what Paul taught that is what he taught a way of life in Christ Jesus in well let's look at that we we just finished
1: Colossians 1 2 3 maybe more but then he starts to get practical he starts to talk about a way of life and it's very tempting to go back under our own efforts searching for a word well, here.
0: that's because he goes into the imperative mood, which is telling you to do something. He says, put off what pertains to your earthly nature. And it's you think, okay, I've got something to do now, but you not realizing that Romans 8 13 says if by the Spirit you put to death that earthly nature, you will manifest life. If by the Spirit you do that, it's the Spirit that gets in the ring with the sin man, the sin master, the the nature of sin. The Spirit is, remember in Galatians it says the flesh wars against the Spirit and the Spirit wars against the flesh? It's the spirit that that does it because it is no battle between our determination and the flesh or the sin principle. It destroys us. That's what the law proved to us for 2,000 years. It's exactly that. Let me look at
1: this one passage in Colossians and I think it brings it out. Okay, because we... We left off last week on Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ who is our life is revealed or manifest, then you will be manifest with him in glory. Verse 5, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Remember, we, we talked about that. You died and your life is You died. Count it true.
0: Count it true.
1: Dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. Uh Uh-oh. That doesn't sound good. The word for wrath there is our English word word, orgy. (laughs) It Mm means passion. Mm -hmm. God is passionate about Passionate about seeing you get free from these things. That's He loves you. He's passionate about you. So he sends the Spirit to free you
0: from this. It's not God just, I'm going to. Doesn't it that sound like tires. good news instead of bad news? The wrath sounds like horrible news. Yeah, he's but gonna, the passion sounds like good news. His passion will fall upon you. When you see your kid doing things that
1: can harm them, you're passionate about correcting those those things. You're not just, I'm going to wipe you out for, for doing that. No, you're passionate against the, the things that are harming them. God is passionate about sin harming us. He wants to... Well, let's just read. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to read it again. Therefore, consider... Count it true, the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. Yes, God hates sin, but he loves you. That's why he's passionate. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. Even though you're still doing
0: some of them, he calls it once walked. Past right. Tense. In, in his eyes, it's past tense. In your eyes, it's very much present tense. This is such a classic example of eternal points of view versus temporal points of view. Everywhere where it shows us as in the middle of doing them, those are temporal points of view from our viewpoint. Everywhere where it looks like it's in the past tense, it is God's eternal point of view and it just toggles between eternal point of view, temporal point of view, eternal point of view, temporal point of view. view. And it sounds horrible unless you realize what is actually being said there. Because when he said, put to, uh, consider yourself dead to immorality and all those things, it means consider your debt paid for all those things. Consider your debt paid for all those things. Yeah, so it's saying you once walked in them,
1: and since you laid aside all that old stuff, old self. All that is from God's point of view. Give us that classic one in Ephesians you were taught
0: in regard to your former way of life to put off the old man who is now being corrupted by his deceitful desires. From God's point of view, it was a former way of life because Romans 6.6 says, Don't you know the old man of us was crucified? And in Ephesians 4.22, it's saying, put off the old man of us who is being corrupted by his deceitful desires. But before that, it says, in regard to your former way of life, which the sentence is grammatically wrong, unless you realize it, it's an eternal point of view. In a temporal point of view. Your former way of life is in God's eyes. Your temporal view is in your eyes. The old man of us is very much being corrupted each and every day by his deceitful desires. You have to understand eternal points of view and temporal points of view. Eternal points of view are always good news.
1: Yeah, and it's, so it, there's three ways to look at it. Either put off your old self, and if you haven't put off your old self, you're not even a Christian. You can look at it that
0: way. That's I, how I used to think of it.
1: Or put off your old self, which is being corrupted, even though from God's point of view, he was already crucified. Yes. But in our point of view, he's still doing it, and and God's passion
0: is going to put it into it, yep. that's the good way to look at yep. it. I want every guard dog out there who is listening to this podcast to look at Romans 6, 5, 6, and 7, and then Ephesians 4, 22. To see an eternal point of view about the old man, God's point of view about the old man, and a temporal point of view about the old man, our point of view about the old man. Yeah, and the,
1: the third way is just Paul was a good theologian, the terrible grammar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, it's the it's the two points of view, and they're they're right here in seven and eight. Yes. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked. He's You've got a future
0: and a past. Yeah, does it? the sentence doesn't make sense. It, it's going to come, but it, you used to be that way. How can it come? If it hasn't come yet, how could you used to be that way? You can't unless you're seeing it from God's point of view. His point of view is that it used to be that way. You, you used to be that way. Yes. But now God's wrath is coming because yes, it's your of what you're of doing right now. Yes.
1: Well, I thought I used to be that. Exactly. So, the used to be that way is God's point of view, the yep. finished work of the cross. Yes. Took care of that. But now, after that's been taken care of, but now you also. Put them all aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from which, from your mouth, do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according
0: to the image of the one who created him. Yeah, see, that's just too cool because it says, don't lie to one another, because in God's eyes, you have already laid that aside. In God's eyes, that is all past tense. Matter of fact, the old man of us is literally the ancient man of us. It's so far in the past tense that he can truly say, your sins and lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. That's how far in the past tense is, and that's God's point of view. So that is the truth. If you're not saying the old man of me has been crucified with Christ, then you're lying to yourself. That's why it says do not lie to yourself since you have laid aside the old man with his practices in God's eyes. It's this truth that will set you free. Free that your sin debt is paid for so you do not have to rededicate yourself because in God's eyes you died and paid for all that. You're still thinking that you didn't die and you have to change or God's going to get you. But That's not the truth. he already got you.
1: That's right and that's not the truth. It's not Th- the truth. That will put you back in bondage to sin thinking that you got to battle sin
0: is not realizing the truth. D- that he put away sin once and for all. God said, in that day you'll surely die to Adam and Eve. And the serpent's lie was oh, would you really die? And his lie today is oh, did you really die? No, you're still alive. You still have to prove yourself to God. No, you did pay that sin debt in God's eyes because Christ died on behalf of all men, therefore all men died.
1: And I just love it how you, you see that word, wrath, which should be translated passion.
0: I never knew that before, Bill. You you turned me on to that today. I did not know that that was passion.
1: Oh, it, it messed me up thinking of it as wrath, because I, what I thought was... Tell me if you didn't think something like this. I became a Christian. He's gonna give me a little time to adjust and start getting a little better. But if if it's five years later and I'm still doing some of these things, look out. Look, yeah. the wrath of God has come. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus coming back with a baseball bat. It, he's gonna clean house. Yeah. It's not what it's talking No. It's talking about present tense the the wrath of God the the passion of God comes in the moment and it's it's His love for us and it's 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 His love that will set us free it's His the truth shall set you free you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free
0: yeah Father God allow us to bask in the truth of the good news because it is good news. Through Jesus Christ, God paid our sin debt for us. Jesus paid that sin debt for us, and it is paid in full. Allow us to realize that one idea, that, and, and the other idea that there's temporal doctrines and eternal doctrines, and the eternal doctrines put all our bad behavior in the past in God's eyes. He views that as something that happened a long time ago. It's very much present tense in our eyes, and we have to constantly, when we see ourselves messing up present tense, we have to constantly say, but Christ died for that. And that was paid for a long time ago. Over and over and over again, we have to say, thank you, Lord, that you paid for that a long time ago. So in Jesus' name, Father, help us be able to say that. Thank you, Lord, you died for that a long time ago. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you guys. Thank you. Love you guys. Good night.